What are you most passionate about? What do you hold most dear? What are you most loyal to or, or love the most? Maybe that's too challenging of a question, too vague or abstract, and you can't put it into words. What gets you the most angry? What makes you the most upset? Because we get angry and upset about the things we love and that we're passionate about. And so, rightly, we get angry if somebody insults our mother or our spouse. We get angry when people insult our intelligence or our character. We might feel slighted and angry if somebody tells us that our most, our most prized possession is worthless and unimportant. We get angry when we feel people have disrespected our nation, our flag, or our favorite sports team. Why? Because we're passionate about those things. We, we care about them. If someone were to come up and insult the Clinton Street Bridge, or the roads in defiance, or maybe the supermarket that you shop at, you'd probably think it was a little weird, but you wouldn't get upset about it. You, you don't care about it that much. It doesn't mean that much to you. In today's gospel lesson, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they're coming to try and find out what does Jesus love most? What is he most passionate about? See, they've been trying to figure out how to get rid of his power, how to to put him in his place and get the crowds to stop following him for a long time now. And finally, they've come up with the perfect plan. So they're going to send some people to ask him a question. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? No matter what Jesus says, he's, he's doomed. Because if he says yes, well then he's on the side of Rome and those who, who wish that Rome hadn't come in and are opposed to their rule over the Holy Land, well they'll hate and despise Jesus. He'll be branded uh, a Roman patsy. And if he says no, well, he might be on their side, but Rome knows how to deal with people who start a revolt, who refuse to pay their taxes. He'll be killed. Jesus is in a tight spot. He is in a corner. And they've asked him, what do you love, Jesus? Is it Rome or is it Israel? Another way to paraphrase their question would be to ask, can a Jew conscientiously pay the imperial tax in the Holy Land? Or do we have to fight for independence on the ground that God alone is king of Israel? Jesus' response is, I still think, the most brilliant answer ever given. Immediately, he puts both groups on their heels. Uh, they're, They're on the defensive. He turns to the Pharisees, the people who have sought to revolt against Rome, who have been uh, good patriots. They've fought for their nation, and they, they believe in Israel's right to freedom. And Jesus says, give me a coin. Okay, whose who's inscription, whose likeness is on here? Oh, it's Caesar's? Give to Caesar with Caesar's. Don't worry about it. God will handle things in his own time. He's got this. But Jesus doesn't ignore the Herodians either. 
he, he turns to the Herodians, and they were the people who were, were good citizens of Rome. They just kind of went along with whatever the culture said was okay. Uh, they were willing to, to serve for the Roman Empire, whether or not it was in line with what God was saying. And she just says, don't forget. Don't forget to give to God what is God's, to prioritize what God says for your life. Remember those things. See, Jesus takes their surface-level question, and he goes deeper, challenging their basic assumptions. What exactly is it that Caesar has a right to? Jesus is asking, what does Caesar really, what is he owed? Well, God has placed Caesar in the place of authority, and that happens because God allowed it. And so if the coins have Caesar's name and he's ruler over this land, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. See, just like every good and bad ruler that has ever come before or ever will be, the people in authority are allowed there simply by God's will because God allows it. And so in the face of evil or bad rulers, like Cyrus in the Old Testament, like Caesar in the New Testament times, like Stalin and Hitler, God may allow them to rule for a time. But God always breaks what opposes him. God always gets what is his. And so while the, there may be kings and rulers that claim ultimate allegiance and loyalty in this life, God tears down that which opposes his will and his kingdom. Nations come and go. Empires rise and fall. Nothing but God's reign is eternal. And the same thing is true in our own lives. If we allow God access, he will break every false loyalty, every false allegiance in our hearts. He'll topple the idols and set our hearts on him once again. If, if you were a coin, what would be the inscription? What would be the inscription on your, on your life? Would it be God? or maybe Rome, America, something else? What would be the visible imprint of who or what you belong to? That's a hard question to hear and a hard question to ask ourselves. But the truth is that if we believe in the biblical story, if we believe in what the scriptures say, then we were created by God. We were made in his image. We belong to him. His imprint has been put on our lives. We were created to follow him. And that means that God and his kingdom is always to be first and foremost in our lives. We're supposed to have his kingdom as our ultimate allegiance and loyalty. This is exactly what God declares in Ezekiel 18, verse 4, when he says that all souls are mine. We belong to God. If we were created by him, then, then we are his. But the problem is that the world, through sin and brokenness, through the fall and through broken promises and false claims, our loyalties become divided. The image on the coin fades. It disappears. It gets worn off. You can't see it anymore, and then it gets covered with something else, covered with a different image. 
See, the, the reality is that we can only be loyal and ultimately aligned with one thing in our lives. Only one thing can have that top spot in our hearts. And anything else, when they come into conflict, we'll despise, we'll hate. Jesus said this very thing when he said that you can't love both God and money. Well, that applies to everything else. You can't love God and nation. You can't love God and your work equally. God is God always has to be first in our lives. That's what allegiance to him demands. But the reality is that the way that that image fades, that it gets worn off, is far more subtle than you think. Because in this world, so many of the things that become idols in our lives are good gifts from God. They're the blessings that God has given us that we've turned into something ultimate and put into that top place. And it happens because the world always presents the facade. They show you the pretty thing, the storefront of the best of what they have to offer. And kind of like in the Wizard of Oz, they pull the curtain. They turn the blinds so you can't see what's behind what they're saying. And so all of a sudden, we don't realize how these false, these other loyalties, these other allegiances aren't in line with God's kingdom and with God's ways. Suddenly, they've taken that top place in our heart. And so we've made the good gifts of God and we've, we've started to value too highly our government or our nation, our freedoms or a charismatic leader, our possessions or our job, our position in society. We start to make that the ultimate thing. But only one thing can be the most important in our lives. And whenever that thing is challenged, well, the other thing gets hated, dismissed, torn down, rejected, ignored. We stop listening to anything that speaks against what we hold most dearly. That's true of all of us. See, I want to ask a question. Do you think that, how do you think Jesus would have responded if the question were a little bit different that he was asked? If they had asked, should we worship Caesar or Israel? Or should we worship Rome or America? How do you think Jesus would have responded? Because that's really what's underneath their question. That's, that's what's beneath paying taxes to Caesar or not. It is what do you value most highly? And the reality is Jesus has already answered this question. He's already answered what to say and what to do when something claims ultimate allegiance and loyalty in our lives and is not God. See, it happened in Matthew chapter 4 when he went out into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. And Satan asked him to bow down to anything other than God. And Jesus responded, you shall serve, we shall worship the Lord your God only. Or worship the Lord your God and serve him only. <laughs> Jesus has no time for fanatical nationalism, for pledging allegiance to our job, to uh, our, anything that would challenge his ultimate authority and will, and his kingdom. God is to be first and foremost in our lives as Christians. This is an incredibly challenging message to say. I'll admit that. This is, it makes me somewhat uncomfortable. But Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be given to us. It's not that we, we don't 
want those other things, a good nation, good leaders, a good family, a good job. But those things are to fall in line behind God's kingdom and his will for our lives. So this message, sometimes, as I was writing it, I felt really uncomfortable just thinking through it myself because I had to ask myself the question, what's first in my own life? What's first in your life? What do I love most? What's the visible imprint on my life? If it's not Jesus, if it's anything else, then what should I do? What should we do? Well, we start with prayer and confession, which we did earlier, confessing our false loyalties and asking for God's help. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will remint your life, re- restamp your life through the gospel. And then we use, we, we examine our life and we use things like spiritual practices, which I have at the bottom of each sermon. These are habits that have been used throughout the centuries by Christians to realign our hearts and habits with God. And so this week, the spiritual practice is to slow down and examine your day or your week and pray about it to God. It's being mindful of the way that our habits show what we love. What are the things that we're doing in our day-to-day lives that reveal where we're ultimately aligned and pointed to? What are we ultimately loyal to? And it's through those practices that our hearts are reset, restamped towards God, God's kingdom. See, it's through word and sacrament that, that the gospel becomes real to us again, that it transforms our lives. See, ultimately, we are God's creation. We're his children. And if we belong to him, then our lives should bear his image, his mark in all that we do. But the struggle is that sometimes we lose sight of that. But Jesus, through his blood shed on the cross, overcomes every power and false allegiance in our lives. Through what he has done, our hearts are realigned, recentered in God's kingdom. We're drawn back to the truth. And so we, we choose to follow where he would lead us. And we get the freedom to live as good citizens of a great nation, but with ultimate allegiance to one king and his kingdom, which transcends all borders and boundaries, all tribes and languages, which is greater than just this nation, just this people. God's kingdom, God's vision is so much greater. And as we, as we gather and we worship God and we confess our false loyalties, God reforms us in his image through worship, through these daily practices, through reading God's word so that our lives might bear his image, his inscription, his mark for the world to see so they will glorify his name. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to speak together the words of the Apostles' Creed. They've been spoken by Christians as a pledge of allegiance to the cross for nearly 2,000 years. And they'll be spoken by billions of people today around the world in the church. And so I'm going to invite you to stand up and put your hand over your heart, reminding yourself that this is what is most dear to us, that this takes precedence in our lives, that we are first and foremost Christians, and then Americans, and then citizens of Ohio in defiance, 
but God comes first in our lives. Will you please stand up and confess with me the Apostles' Creed? <laughs> 